Hey everybody, welcome to the cast. Two episodes in as many weeks. I do love to spoil you, don't I? Anyway, today's episode is going to be an interview with Victor, our art director. It's going to be an extended version of the one that you have found in the newsletter, featuring a decent bit of interesting tidbits beyond what we have put down on digital paper. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome. Thank you for taking the time to have a a nice sit down and tell the nice folk about yourself. So let's start with uh, with a background. Tell us who you are and what you do. All right. Um, So, hi, my name is uh, Victor Rubinstein. Um, I'm the art director on Embersword. I think, I mean, we're a small team, so we wear a lot of hats. So (laughs) one of them is is, is, uh, directing the art and managing the art team. Um, I also do some VFX, uh, establish the look on the, of the game, um, and also do some 3D modeling every now and then when I'm lucky and when I have the time, basically. Um, as for my background, it's fairly standard in that I always loved video games as a kid. Um, and of course, like in, in those days back when you were, you were still being considered a weirdo if you played games all day. <laughs> so yeah, it was quite a while ago. Um, and yeah, sometimes around 96, I think, I received like a bootleg version of 3DS Max my cousin bought from the flea market. Oh my god, was that yeah. back, back in Romania still? Yeah, yeah, nice. I, I'm, yeah my, I've lived here my whole life. Oh so. sweet, you're still there, awesome. Yeah, yeah, so my, uh, so yeah, we, we bought CDs at, at like shady, from, from shady people in the market next to uh, cucumbers and stuff like that. <laughs> That checks out so hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, and when I when I got it, I was immediately hooked. Like I could actually create 3D models, which back in '96, especially in R- Romania, was something so abstract. I think it took my parents a couple of years to even understand what the hell I, I was doing in my room all day, <laughs> 3D modeling. Uh, yeah, then uh, yeah, all throughout high school and stuff, I continued to do that. I, I even uh, I even managed to sell some three D models on some on some uh, sites, which was really cool. I mean, uh, I actually made some money back in high school, which was nice. Holy crap! That was that was yeah, back yeah. in the day before I, you know Epic sponsored you know Unreal Artists and all that, right? Yeah, that was like in uh, two thousand and one or something. Wow, you like were that. hustling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, and I, I was making uh, US dollars, right? I was like the the envy of my of my uh, friends. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, and yeah, then around in around uh, 2002, I started getting into modding, and then one year later, I made some mods for Oblivion uh, that had a decent amount of downloads and were quite well liked um which basically set me on a path of becoming a game dev like from then from there things kind of uh, just one thing led to another i joined the team well actually mo- multiple teams that were trying to make their own games which of course all of them failed <laughs> any um, highlights from that period nothing that's well known unfortunately not they they didn't um get too far <laughs> let's say oh, man. um but yeah it was it was a nice experience and, and like the biggest takeaway from from that was meeting a lot of a lot of people that also had the same interests as, as I did, and, and which led to ultimately me working on Ember Sword, pretty much. Um, but yeah, so um, when I finished high school, uh, there wasn't anything close to a university for um, working on games in 
Romania, um, there still isn't. So, so I decided, hey, I just keep university altogether and just focus on making games because who needs uh, more school? I wasn't particularly fond of it. Of course, my mom didn't have any of that, however. Um, <laughs> so I spent six years going through our architecture university and oh, Jesus. Yeah, that was pretty hardcore. I mean, I, I barely had any any time to do any 3D art outside of summer holidays. Uh, so I was very much behind with that. I couldn't keep up with all the all the, all the other people and stuff. Um, but then as soon as I graduated, uh, I immediately got back into 3D and started doing freelancing. And yeah, eight years later, I won wound up on, on Ember Sword. And I think the only, well, I mean, the architecture school was, I did come out of it with a lot of knowledge. And I just built one uh, one house, <laughs> my parents' <laughs> one, um, and that was enough. I mean, <laughs> I like it, but it's uh, it's cool. Uh, but the best thing that came out of it is that is the fact that I met my uh, now wife. So that's uh, it was still worth it. Could have been shorter, but it was still worth it. That's awesome. Hey, don't don't even fret. My education took seven years, and it was supposed to take four. So, yeah, provided well, you're happy, it yeah. doesn't matter. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. So how did you come to work on Embersword then? Uh, well, through a friend that I worked with uh, on, like, remotely uh, for various clients. And then, yeah, I, I got, I wasn't in touch with him for a few years. And then we started talking again a couple of years ago. And yeah, he just asked whether I, I'd been interested to work on this game that he'd been working on and it turns out to be Embersword. Uh, and uh, it also turns out that they were um, they wanted to have something to show people in a couple of months so uh, we had to make a trailer <laughs> uh, and it didn't wow. like, like uh, they did have some concept art but not not concept art like some mock-up screenshots originally the game was supposed to be 2d <laughs> I'm not sure if if that's well known, uh, or if that even matters, but yeah, it was 2D. So uh, I had, I think, a couple of screenshots to go on. So it turned out to be a very intense couple of months, um, but also very productive and very creative because we did flesh out the style of the game, and uh, yeah, it's actually a style that looks remarkably similar to what we have today. What drew you to to Ember Sword? What drew me to Ember Sword? Um, well, it was a fun project. I mean, I at the time a couple of years ago, I didn't work in uh, in games i wanted to to make games but actually uh, what what i worked on was more like serious games uh, like uh, training simulations and stuff like that uh some vr projects as well but like no games so i, I was super excited for the fact that i uh, i could work on on a game that was that was nice um for the fact that it's an mmo i mean <laughs> uh game developers have this uh have this running joke about they want to make an MMO. <laughs> it's like the most, the most difficult kind of game to make. So it's uh, <laughs> it's it's actually quite a nice challenge. Um, and yeah, uh, I'm I'm not sure how to tell this, but I'm just going to say it. I never played an MMO in my life. <laughs> uh, I'm Same. the kind of guy that yeah, I'm I'm the kind of guy that gets sucked into games uh, once I start playing them. Uh, and the stories I heard about WoW and stuff at the time when it was launched scared me, scared me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want, want to lose my, myself for a couple of years, so I, I prefer to just do 3D art and game mods. And actually, yeah, I stayed away from uh, MMOs to this day. But hey, hey, 
not anymore. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do enjoy action RPGs, however, and I'm uh, I'm very excited about the combat system that we are developing, which is uh, I guess very much inspired by the action RPG genre, even though it's a uh, it's an, an MMO. But we we will have like tons of enemies and tactical choices and skill skill shots and all of that good stuff. So I'm yeah I'm very excited about it. Um, and I think another thing about it is that I like about it is the fact that it's uh, it has this blockchain part to it, um, and that translates into the fact that each item can develop a unique history basically throughout its lifetime. And for example, two identical items can have a very different value based on their history. Uh, and this is a pretty new thing when it comes to digital items. So yeah, it's it's really cool. I uh, I can't wait to see how that actually works out. Hell yeah, that's. I mean, as, as much as I've learned about the game, that still sort of continues to astound me in a way, because I, you know, yeah. I, I also come from the, the school of I want to sit my ass down and play a single player game for like 15 hours a day, mm. and we're going to get to yeah, that in the second part. <laughs> uh, and I'm very, very distrustful of monetization practices. And for the fact yeah. that Ember Sword is striving and emphasizing the fact that it doesn't want to screw its players over, that seems like a massive positive to me. Yeah, and I, I, I'm... Not sure if it would be possible without without this uh, yeah, without the, adding the blockchain element to it, and that it's really cool that players can actually own their items, and um, you can like legally sell them, and they are they are like yours. And this way, the like, the game itself takes a small percentage of that, and that keeps it going. And uh, actually, without that, I'm not sure if we could avoid. Like the dastardly monetization practices that they uh, that are all over the place these days. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's a positive thing. Absolutely. So I've talked to Lauren a couple of weeks back, uh, mostly in the same topic, and I wanted to ask what your vision of Ember Sword was, because his vision is that very much of a person with like a very broad view of the game. You know, he he he's touched every aspect of his development, but you as an artist, I I'm curious to see. You know. Or to hear what it is. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there's some some interesting limitations on on the art of Ember Sword because we want to make it playable in a browser, that's, and you can just send someone a link, and they click the link, and in two or three seconds, they're in the game alongside you. Um, so there's some technical magic that we have to do to get to get that working, and that actually involves some limitations on on the art style. Um, but that being said, I think limitations can be very helpful and force you to be creative in ways that you wouldn't necessarily have have to be if you didn't have those limitations. So yeah, I'm, I'm just curious how we will we will pull that off uh, as far as art goes and how we can we can make a game that people want to play and that looks good, even considering the fact that uh, like the whole world outside of the of the characters and enemies is just using one 32 by 32 pixel texture that's <laughs> like it is four kilo four kilobytes yeah seriously it i is. haven't noticed yeah, yeah. this yeah yeah it's not that apparent but it's true it's basically color palettes right so we don't use a lot of texture detail outside of the characters and the, the enemies and even those have really small textures i but never yeah, like, noticed like i said the the limitations are quite interesting for this project Dude, that's awesome. I mean, considering what the builds I've played, the 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 ones I've been sent, you cannot tell that you're working with 
resources limited as you described. So you've kudos on getting really creative. Yeah, so exactly. So then when you'll be able to launch it in a browser in a couple of seconds, then that'll be really exciting. Yeah, I was wondering how, you know, because me and Lauren have talked about the, the server infrastructure and how that facilitates a whole bunch of players loading very fast into the world, but I never thought about the technical aspect of those of the game and how that enables the players to load that fast. And Yeah, exactly, because you can't wait around to download like four gigabytes of textures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so Tell that to Bungie, <laughs> Christ almighty. Yeah, exactly. Uh, games these, these days are, are incredibly huge. And I think textures are a big part of that. Like eight K textures aren't free, you know. They they take up a lot of space. We're getting into the fun shit now. So. Oh wow. Okay. Let's see. The first part was your involvement in Ember Sword and your thoughts on the game in general. Mm -hmm. And now we get into the fun stuff, which is you as a person. So I have a, a bunch of free balling questions that we can just okay. shoot the shit on. Uh, cool. And as much detail as you want. So let's start with, what are your top five favorite huh, favorite games? Yeah, this is never an, uh, an easy question. I, I used to play a lot of games. Um, and also, I, I didn't own any consoles as a kid outside, I think, of a Sega Mega Drive that I had for a couple of months, borrowed from a friend. So I've been mainly a like a PC gamer. Um, so my favorite games, I think... I, I won't list them in any particular order, but they are uh, Planescape Torment and Bal Baldur's Gate. Those, oh, hell uh, yeah. Yeah, those old-school RPGs in the Infinity Engine. That was really cool. Um, then what else? StarCraft. I was re like really into StarCraft. Uh, Diablo 1. Um, the Civ series, Civ games. Um, and actually, the old Might and Magic games uh the rp the first person rpg ones i'm not sure if like anyone played those uh and of course like uh, heroes of might and magic 3 which everyone i knew at the time played all day uh so yeah that was the, i think i'm not sure if it's five <laughs> but those are kind of like the standout games that i've been playing uh and as you probably notice a lot of them are quite old because I don't have a lot of time these days to play games. Uh, with yeah, the work, two kids, and some passion projects I might do outside of work. Um, but yeah, as far as recent games, I really enjoyed Sekiro. I've played through that lately. That was a really good game. Um, that gets me and very excited. Card games. I, I, yeah. I love From Software games because they, they are unlike anything that that's out there at least now i mean they they emulate the sort of metroidvania genre of old but in in 3d which is a, an incredibly complicated art to pull off yeah and especially these days where i mean i don't think it's as as evident now as, as it was but for a for a certain uh time period the like games were getting easier and easier and like more um approachable by anyone so it was it was yeah, basically just uh, like a, a theme ride instead of posing actual challenge, right? So, and and I think the Dark Souls series and Demon Souls, I think that brought uh, challenging games back in a way. The especially the they did it in such a masterful way as well, because it's this this might be going on a bit of a tangent from my part, uh, but 
what I've always appreciated about those games is that they are challenging but not hard. And I make a distinction between those two words because hard to me seems like a word that's too simple to describe those games because hard to me denotes a difficulty which you can like turn on and off and it's almost mm. arbitrary where um, a decent example I would have is Assassin's Creed Odyssey's hard setting is complete horseshit. Because in Odyssey, there's no difference between normal and hard in terms of uh, enemy difficulty, right? They yeah, always do the same. Stats just health, yeah. right? Whereas yeah. from software games are challenging because they have a, a line of difficulty running throughout the whole of the experience uh, set by the developer. Mm. And through they essentially teach you the process of perseverance and learning through trial and error, especially Sekiro. And I really, oh, yeah. really appreciate that. Sorry, it's it's sort of a... Yeah, I mean, part part of Sekiro is actually, like, the combat, as you play it more and more, it starts feeling like a rhythm game, almost, yes. because you have yes. to have those perfect parries, and then yeah, all, all enemies have their own, own rhythm in attacking, and then you seeing what, what attack they'll, they'll play, and then you can, you can, like, perfectly parry that. So it's it's really cool. I mean, it's it kind of gets you into that flow state when you're playing it. It's... Yeah, it's very masterfully done. You I, hit such I, a zen I, moment. Because, uh, yeah, I, I I think Sekiro is the From Software formula distilled to its purest form. Where yeah. for years they <laughs> they had a parry mechanic in their games and nobody used it. And they're like, no, yeah. fuck you. You're going to learn how to parry. Here's uh, parry the video game. will be all about parrying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. parrying the video game. Exactly. Yeah. And some people like it some people don't but to, the fact that they can do so much with one single mechanic is flabbergasting yeah yeah and they dress it up really nice like the world really and nice the lore and everything is, is really really cool That's i hate that gorilla i hate that gorilla so much um yeah i i heard a lot of people say that but i i actually found it to be relatively easy i had that with the second gorilla yeah, the, the second the duo. as well. That was yeah, that was duo. my my watershed moment. All, all from software games have that. Um, you mentioned Baldur's Gate and Planescape. Have you played any D and D? Not not any pen and paper D and D. No. Uh, I I would have loved to, but I just didn't have any friends that did it. Uh, I, now I I know some some D and D groups are around my city. I just don't have the time now, unfortunately. That's very fair. Like, yeah. Those games take like ton, tons of hours and yeah it's something I, I can't do anymore but I, I would really have loved to do it as, as a kid I, I would have been like totally on board with that I mean it's uh, it's something that's very near and dear to my heart that's why I asked and just for I mean for your sake as well as the listeners um, D&D can be incredibly long if you're the dungeon master if you find somebody who's a very good dungeon master it can be sort of a two-week uh, sorry, two hours a week experience that's incredibly satisfying and hits all the high notes of a, of a good D&D session. So whenever you can find time, it's going to be really great. I always, in my mind, like D&D sessions take like eight hours. Oh, no. Something. I mean, I've had one that ran for six, but that was an, mm -hmm. an outlier. Okay. Okay. Then I, I probably had the wrong idea about it, but it, it always struck me as like, you sit down and then you don't get up for... <laughs> X amount of hours and you're just super engrossed in it, but yeah, that's yeah, cool. I I might actually give it a, give it a shot if it's if it's just two hours a week, then that's very manageable. Um, so For speaking sure. of of length of time gaming, do you remember your longest gaming session? 
Oh wow, yeah, I <laughs> I really do. <laughs> I think I, I I played Diablo one at some point for like forty eight hours straight. Forty eight? Yeah, yeah. I think I finished it around three or four times, and I I dreamt I was still playing the game like for a week afterwards. Oh my <laughs> all, god! All, all of my nights were just mouse clicks and and just yeah, it was really crazy. Now my my parents. Uh, went to visit my, uh, my my grandparents for a week, and then it was just me and my brother at home. So of course, we uh, like he went out with some friends and, and so like he was eight years older than me. Uh, he still is. Um, uh, so yeah, he had more of an active social life. I I I was just really happy. I could like sit around and just played forty eight hours straight, binged Diablo one. I <laughs> I really really loved that that game. It was so good. Your yeah, your answer mirrors Lauren's. I believe Lauren's was um he played Diablo two, also for forty eight hours straight. Oh wow, okay. But he I think locked himself in his attic and just like didn't let any any parents or supervisors in and just went insane. So yeah, it's, oh, yeah, it's nice I... to know that team experiences parallel each other. Yeah, yeah. By by the time Diablo two came, I I enjoyed that a lot as well. Uh, but somehow, I mean, it couldn't mirror the experience I had when I when I, I think it was 97 or 98 when I mm -hmm. saw Diablo 1 at a friend's house and like I he played through it I think he only had the demo uh and he played through it until he reached the butcher mm -hmm. and man when I saw that guy I mean it was a more mind-blowing experience <laughs> for me for how old was I at that point 13 or so it was really really crazy and the I, I had to play the game and I and I went home and I bugged my parents for two or three months to get to get a new PC <laughs> um, so, so that I could actually play it uh, and yeah and then I just binged Diablo 1 I really really like that game yeah. so is your fondest gaming memory related to Diablo 1 or do you have something uh, else not necessarily I, I also fondly remember playing Civilization 1 mm -hmm. uh, that was even earlier I think I I remember that I didn't understand any of it, and I didn't speak <laughs> English, and it's quite a dense game, especially yeah. for a 12 or 13 year old. But somehow I still managed to conquer the world and build nukes and stuff. <laughs> awesome. So, uh, yeah, I, I, and there's, you know, there's that, that thing where you associate sounds with experiences, mm -hmm. and uh, I used to play that. Uh, with the TV on in the background, and uh, I put it on on some music channel. Uh, yeah, and when, whenever I I hear C block so strong out, <laughs> I instantly get flash, <laughs> flashbacks of of the uh, of uh, playing Civilization One. <laughs> what a what a <laughs> what a weird mental connection to have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's it's I mean it just developed on, on its own, so. That's super great. Yeah, my, my English learning experiences, because we're both from Eastern Europe, uh, mine sort of almost mirror yours. Mine were um, Cartoon Network, talking oh, yeah, to definitely. myself, and Lego Racers 2. Oh, well, I, I didn't have a lot of Legos. I, I had the Lego Technic set. Uh, I really enjoyed that. But yeah, I think my, like, my, my English teacher was also Cartoon Network, for sure. <laughs> and games, obviously. Oh, hell yeah, absolutely. So um, speaking of Eastern Europe, 
in in popular culture, our our place of birth and residence has always been associated with like insanity. It's almost like this mythical gateway into another dimension where oh, yeah. strange yeah. shit happens, <laughs> right? It's uh yeah. <laughs> It's so, partially true. I mean. Yeah, no. So with that in mind, what is the wackiest thing that's happened to you as a resident of Romania? Oh, uh, yeah, many things were different here than in in the West, or hell, it's it's very very different than even with uh, present day Romania. So uh, I remember there were like a lot of building sites around my apartment block as a kid. So this was way back. I think I was ten or eight or ten years old uh so me and the neighborhood kids we were around 14 or so like went scavenging for i'm not sure if you know those thin plastic pipes that used to shoot um paper cone shaped missiles from <laughs> used to blow uh, like blow pipes you created blow sure pipes. If, yeah i'm not sure if what what the name for them is in, in english but they were like everyone had those uh, uh-huh and they were, I think, from the electrical uh, installation in those oh, PVC pipes, blocks. I think. Yeah, PVC pipes. I have one in my room right now. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, where and, and and we used to fashion them like like bazookas and and <laughs> like machine guns and stuff like that with with a lighter. I know, like we heated them up and then then you could distort them into all all sorts of shapes and you could make handles and stuff. Yeah, we we went really nuts with with that. And uh, yeah, the actually one once we had like a. A lot of those pipes and and made like dozens of, of paper projectiles <laughs> um we then hunted each other through those those buildings played like so, an early version of of paintball or whatever <laughs> uh and yeah those those actually those buildings were some of them were eight stories high and oh they God. were just concrete floors and columns so they didn't have walls oh or handrails or anything like like that um and, and we were chasing each other, running, jumping <laughs> all over that. And uh, our, our parents were just too, too busy to work, to care much about what we were up to do, during the day. Uh, so, yeah, we did a lot of shit back then. Oh, my uh, God. I can't imagine this happening in the present, even in Ro- <laughs> Romania. And me, myself being a father, uh, I'm not sure I'd be really happy knowing that my kids are doing that. Oh, yeah, keep them under lock and key, because, like... Yeah, I mean, it's not that bad, but I, uh, yeah... Definitely. I mean, kids are really resilient. We just people these, these days don't let them uh, experiment that too much, which is a shame. I cannot believe somebody else has a we made weaponry out of just stuff experience. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. it also yeah. happened to me as well. Like me and a friend have created an obstacle course on, on which you like murdered bottles using a very intricate series of wires. It was mm-hmm. almost like an Indiana Jones temple challenge type of thing where nice. like you would step on a wire and a bottle would fall towards you and we had a collection of machetes as all 10 year olds do. Wow, yeah, that, that's that's legit. Sound, sounds legit. Yeah, we were up <laughs> yeah, playing with all, all sorts of stuff, man. That was, it was crazy. Checks out, but yeah. Yeah, that, that's what, that's what having, like not having any alternatives for entertainment and just having parents that are busy, that, that's what Actually, it devolves into Lord of the Flies, basically. <laughs> yep, that is very accurate. Oh my god. Well, that's that's pretty much all, all I had on the docket. Um, thank you so much for no taking problem. the time to, uh, to sit down, have, uh, have a conversation, let the, the people get to know you. Yep. Who, you know, drives the art direction of the game. Yeah. <laughs> a, a seasoned warrior of apartment building. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, from pipes to... Uh... 
swords. <laughs> That's gonna be the tagline for the podcast, from pipes to swords. <laughs> awesome, well, yep. cool. Thank you. All right. Yeah, no problem. Okay. My, my pleasure. Hey you, you made it to the end. Congratulations! That must mean you like us enough to want more, right? Well, good news! We're all over the internet. Go to embersword.com and subscribe to our newsletter for a chance to play the game early, as well as the latest interesting tidbits on the game and the team. Join our lovely Discord community over at discord.gg embersword. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at playembersword for regular updates on what we're up to. And remember the basics. Drink water, be kind to each other, and spread the word about Ember Sword.